Welcome to Season 2020, Episode 5. In this episode, how do you wake a MotoGP team up from hibernation? Manuel's been on Italian TV talking with Giacomo Agostini. And we launch our new segment, The Manuel Incident. This is The Pacino Report. Pacino Report, the official podcast of PacinoGP.com, hosted by me, Dave Gill. We've all made it through another week and it's uh, time to talk all things MotoGP. Uh, but before we do that, uh, let's check in with my uh, co-hosts. going to take it a little bit differently this week. Uh, I can see Stu and I can see Andra. First one to put their hands up gets my attention. Oh, Stu! <laughs> <laughs> I had my hands full. I had a bit of a beer in one hand and my notebook. You won. I won won something. Yay! (laughs) How was your week, mate? My week's been fantastic, Dave. How have we all been out there? I hope we've had a really good week in in isolation and and lockdown. Mine's been uh, just as boring as as every other week so far. No, it's been really good. Um, I've been having a look around at a lot of the news that's that's been coming around this week and um, like we know about the nine million euro assistance package for the satellite teams, that's fantastic. Um, and we know that there's been a lot of discussion between Dorna and the factory teams about cost cutting. And I know last week we spoke about Ducati's Muppet Show performance on YouTube as well as the development freeze. <laughs> but look, something I wanted to just quickly bring up this week, as I say say hi to everybody, is I read that Gigi Delinia has been pushing for a one bike per rider rule if the season eventually gets underway. Now I know this has now been. Uh, It'll completely shut down by the other five factory teams, uh, and rightly so. And I, th- I think, considering the bikes are already sitting under their covers right now, uh, the mass opposition, I think, is not much of a surprise. So, realistically, I don't want to start off by saying that Gigi gets my face palm of the week. Nicely done, Stu. I think we just came up with a new segment <laughs> face palm of the week. <laughs> How are you, Andrew? It's your turn, mate. Oh, I'm fantastic. I've got a list here. So um, how long does this episode go for? <laughs> We're going to shamelessly plug uh, your, your new section on this show. Um, oh, I tell us what you've been am. up to this week. Ooh, shall I start with the good stuff or the boring stuff? Nah, just just the big stuff. Start with the uh, Melissa All stuff. right, we'll get, oh, come on. I've got lots of stories to tell. Um, first of all, we're launching a new, what do we call it? A new segment. A new segment, and it's called What the Andra, and it's basically I'm going to be, I'd like to call it interviewing, but I'm a little bit too casual for that. So um, chatting to, you know, different riders or maybe some girlfriends or some grid girls or, yeah, who who knows, who might pop up on it. But this week um, we've done... <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking it's just going to stop there. I'm going to get all these suggestions yeah. now. Hey, everyone has a story to tell. I think that's absolutely fair. And if we have to add photos and video, that's okay. I thought um, the name of but it anyway, was, this week was great because it's uh, Manuel's um, legal team who are on retainers are uh, <laughs> already starting to circle with what the Andra. They're already anticipating what's coming <laughs> just, down the Even line. as we said it, then Manuel's just, I think well, he just put his. Well, I can tell you some story about great girls as well if you want. <laughs> oh, we're going to make an R rated version. <laughs> da- da- downtown Melbourne great girls. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're, the, they're oh. the good girls. We'll leave that yeah. to the end of the episode. <laughs> add, that, add that to the list for next episode. <laughs> we record it um, on the E-Explicit podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then so, we can swear then. I'm happy with that. You've already got a couple of episodes uh, in the can already. So who was the first one? Um, yeah, so I was very excited. The first one I, I spoke to um, is a woman kicking goals in motor racing in America. Um, it's Melissa Paris. So I was going to say before, it was meant to be an interview, but it's more like a conversation. Um, this chick, I just straight up, I felt like it was a friend that I was just chatting to on the couch. So nice. some really cool stuff came out in that. So that'll be um, available now as well. So jump on and have a listen and um, check out her story. Check out her social media. See, now I'm going to go to the other boring stuff, but I'm going to tell you anyway because I wrote it down. <laughs> I got, I, I should have, you, are audience. you meant to build up? Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're meant to build up to the exciting stuff, not the back to front. Anyway, um, I found a MotoGP game on my iPhone. Um, you don't steer. You basically um, have acceleration and brakes 
and I have so much more respect for the riders because I'm struggling just with starting and stopping and not even steering. So I've got a whole new appreciation. Hang on, are you are you likening your your your, your appreciation for how hard MotoGP riders work by tilting an iPhone? Yeah, and to, you to make a little couple of pixels go around a corner. Yeah, and you, and so you've got to like do the whole apex thing. So you press the accelerate when you hit the green part, and you press brake when you hit the red part. Like they make it as simple as possible for you. It was bloody terrible. <laughs> How do your kids go playing it though? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm not letting them play it. Yeah. I don't want them to make oh. me feel worse. If we've got the time, yeah, we'll, so they, we'll, we'll post some video of that because I'm desperate to see uh, Andrew oh, on God. two wheels. <laughs> I even held my tongue outside my mouth. I tried different angles to see if it was going to help no. me, but no. Nah. Now, the uh, <laughs> the man that I can see that is trying to recover himself in uh, the top of my screen is the uh, man himself, the man's name who uh, is uh, bolted to this podcast, Mr. Manuel Pacino himself. How are you, my friend? I'm pretty well here. How is it down under? Here in Spain, things haven't changed too much in the last weeks, and I think that the the good news is that we are going to be locked down another month. That's what I have to oh. say from here. Only so, another month, though. So yeah, that's okay. so let's talk yeah. about bikes. That is a better better news. There is, there is light in the end yeah. of the horizon, though. Dawn was speaking to the teams today, and some big news came out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there has been uh, quite a few good news, positive news. I don't know, at least positive. Uh, then we have to see if these uh, news happen at the end or not. But uh, there has been basically the circus is starting to move, right? Yesterday, I got a phone call that uh, told me that there is a test scheduled for end of July in Jerez, MotoGP test, just MotoGP test. Then uh, I know that Dorna has told uh, the teams that the intention is to start in Austria in August. So these two news uh, are really good news because it seems that uh, something is waking up and everybody is on on the move. And this is fantastic. Finally! Yes! Yes. (laughs) Do you mean I might get to watch a real race? (laughs) My first ever ever real-time race? (laughs) What? (laughs) Sorry. I've got to be honest with you, Manuel. Having a listen to the the French and Italian commentary, um, I was nearly on suicide watch. They were not positive at all about any of this. Like it was starting to creep into twenty twenty one. Was looking in in peril. Um, I honestly had to start switching channels. It was not positive news at all. Look, look there is this uh, saying in Spanish that a negative guy is a well informed positive guy. So, <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, listen, no, I, in fact, I think that uh, they were not right because just three or four days later after their quotes came out this story. So uh, uh, Dorna is doing their best. The teams are pressure. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to start racing. And I think that something will happen. I'm, I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. Look, the latest new, and I know that you are into airplane uh, business, I got an information that Emirates got a lot of these quick tests that uh, with a result within 15 minutes because they are their intention is to submit everyone who is going who is checking in in a flight submitted uh, submit uh, to this test and in 15 minutes he will be told if he flies or not. So you know the, the whole world is moving because yeah. it, it has to start moving. the world mm-hmm. cannot stop. It's not like their systems are under any stress at the moment. I mean, <laughs> Emirates has got some idle time. Yeah, exactly. And some funds. Yeah, exactly. No, that's fantastic news. It's brought, definitely brought a smile to my face. Um, so I'm going to gently raise the middle fingers to the uh, French and uh, Italian <laughs> journalists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Optimism beats you on the day. I'm sorry. I like how you take the high ground there, Dave. If that was me, I'd just be going. <laughs> I was going to say, you need something that communicates across different cultures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, but it depends also how it is at home after 
six weeks of lockdown. You know, the, yeah, the, that's, okay. that's important as well. Yeah. But anyhow, look, the, the, if the situation starts to move, uh, I think that now we could go through what will happen uh, with teams and riders. Uh, how do they go back into circulation if you, if you think it's good to talk about that? Yeah, this was one of the questions I don't know we talked about in sort of the green room prior to this was one of the things that was rolling around the back of my head was how do you wake a MotoGP team up that's essentially been asleep for two, three, yeah. and four and four Yes, months? look, it's important mm. to, to uh, make a two difference, okay? One is the pure material, the bikes and all this stuff that have been locked down for months now. And the other thing are the, ride, the riders. They also need a special way to get back because thinking something, these riders, these MotoGP, as we have seen in previous podcasts, they are racing for the last 10 years, okay? So they get into a dynamic. They have never been uh, uh, locked down like they are now. Maximum, yeah. they were two months without racing a bike. So they they are so, they are have such a, how do you say, a, um, established process yeah. that suddenly they've got a routine that, that yeah, exactly they, that. they build up to towards the beginning of the year and then they maintain that peak physical fitness throughout the year and then they have that little break at the end of the season and then start building back up again the same as any elite sportsman does but yeah you're dead right this last couple of months it's completely thrown everybody out they're sitting on their ass playing video and games it, for god's sake and it <laughs> might have different effects like it may you know having a and i don't know i'm just thinking of people in general having a bit of a fresh you know, a bit of a fresh restart could have a different effect as well, couldn't it? Look, we have seen on social media all these riders showing how fit they are getting, right? But the problem is they are getting fit physically, but they are running out of shape mentally. You understand? Yes, so exactly. they will yeah. get there like, you know, like a Schwarzenegger in his best times, but <laughs> only physically. But yeah. there'll be a mental mouse, a mental midget. Yeah. <laughs> and these, they are not used to, and these, as you say, they, these are animal animals uh, used to a routine. Very yep. much. The riders, exactly. all the sportsmen, and then mm-hmm. all of them. And this will make now that it will be very important how mentally each of them will handle the situation. And this doesn't, is related on how fast they are or how slow they are. You know, so this, mm. I think this will show when they have seen in the first races or in the first race, we will have big surprises just right, because okay. of this, yep. because yep. it will not be down to Different. I am fast or I am slow. I mm. am mentally ready to race. Yep. Yep. Well, exactly. can I just give a shout out? Thank you to Maverick for my entertainment, watching him do his live workout just before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That, that, this is exactly that. They are doing, uh, Alexis Pargaro is, is doing 200 case per day on the bicycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maverick, we, we saw what he was doing. All will be physically extremely fit. So where would the jumping back in point be? for, Or is it unique to every rider? Would some be hitting uh, Minimoto? Would some be hitting... Um, Bike training? Would some be hitting flat track? Would some be hitting motocross? Uh, where do do you have to ease yourself back into this, or can most of the riders just switch straight back into to getting hardcore kilometers under them? You mean going back into the riding? Yes, yes, yes. Well, the riding, yes, they will go back to the riding when they open the doors and let us go out out of the house. No, but it's not the case in Italy. In France, they already told that they will be locked down until the end of of May or something like this. Like we, they will be announced that we also will be locked down. So at the end, basically, they are uh, training physically, and then yes, I imagine uh, some will start doing motocross, other will start doing, yeah, okay. they will try to get back, but nothing is like riding a MotoGP bike. They're all basically just twiddling their thumbs until exactly, yeah. they can get the, the real thing underneath them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then going back to how uh, all this uh, will restart, let's go back to the bikes. Look, we have also uh, explained here in our podcast that all the, ca- the cages with all the bikes, they were stored in uh, Qatar for a long time, okay? They just returned to Europe last week. So 
what can have happened with the bikes? Obviously, the humidity can may have caused some uh, corrosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yep, the yep. on the bikes, on the chassis, mm-hmm. on the suspension, this is the the corrosion, the change of temperature, the moving from one place to another. When they open the cages, the cages they will see it because also in this um, factor, a situation like this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. So the technicians and the mechanics they don't know what they are going to face when they open these cages. Mm. So there's going to have to be some pretty in-depth inspection routines before yeah. they even start those things up, and ne- never mind let a rider throw a leg over. No, look, and it's so, and I, I spoke with sorry, yes, Andra. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, where are the bikes? Because I know we mentioned things being locked up in a certain place. That's obviously all the setting up and bits and pieces. Do the each team actually have have possession of their bikes, or are they with everything else? No, the bikes are in Spain, stored somewhere in Spain. And I imagine ah. there they will be sent to the different uh, race, race uh, stores or race uh, offices or how you call it. I don't know. And there are some bikes in the factories. But an, another interesting thing, very much, and this is completely related to MotoGP. As you know, the distribution of the bike is via uh, pneumatic valves, right? Andra, this is for you like uh, no, I'm going. University, <laughs> college, <Not. or> university level. <laughs> this yeah, is so for, I'll just nod and pretend I know, I know all about and mechanics be, and Yeah, and this would be very <laughs> difficult to explain. So this is just quickly for the diehards, right? Okay, go. Yep. Okay, so this pneumatic valve system that is pneumatic, or so that has a certain pressure to work, when the cages travel, this pneumatic system is feeded by some uh, bottles that are fixed to the bikes to keep okay. the yep. pressure inside. Yep. So then I ask, why did they just don't get out the pressure to avoid? And they said, no, because it may happen that when somebody takes the bike off the, the cage and a gear is in, in, uh, inserted, no? They yeah, move yeah, the yeah. bike and maybe some valves get uh, wrong. Mm. So yep. they put the pressure. What will happen? They have to check everything. But I was told, look, all the bike have to be disassembled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull from the to to the to the everything. Mm-hmm. They have to go through Safety's all the pieces. Yeah, yep. safety and to check because at the end, uh, this is high performance and safety wise. But they cannot just arrive and switch on the key, you know, yeah. and start the bike. Mm. It's not like this. Everything yeah, has to be checked and rebuild uh, again, everything. Mm-hmm. Will this affect uh, the team's engine allocation? Because just for you, under the, it's not as though the teams have an unlimited resource um, in engines. The engines are essentially, if I've got this right, are submitted to uh, the race director and they're literally bolted down. The team's at the start of the year, only have a set number of engines uh, that they can use. Yeah, well, uh, this uh, uh, with all this stuff, you know that the race first race didn't happen. So uh, this, what you said, that is true. Every team has to um, give the race direction, the layout of the engine they are going to use, right? And they use seven. But this didn't happen, so this has not been the case. But anyhow, I, I, I've been told also like uh, the corrosion will happen outside of the, of the engine. You know, mm-hmm. inside they don't expect because they are really closed and hermetic. You know, so yeah. uh, if something is uh, damaged, damaged, it will be outside. So you have to change just the crankcases and the stuff that's easy. The rest will work should work normally. For the likes of uh, Honda and Yamaha and Suzuki, where it's a fairly well-established um, engine, I, you know, I could, could see that that would be a, a relatively easy process if putting a MotoGP engine back together, what you could ever call easy. But acknowledging that Aprilia, that, that, that's a prototype engine even by MotoGP standards. That was the first year that they've uh, they've run that engine. So... Are they going to be affected any differently? The fact that they haven't had the research and development time, they haven't had uh, the ability to to produce what essentially could be required spare parts for that engine. Are they going to be disadvantaged at all uh, going forward? 
No, no, I don't think so, because you have to think that all this is planned with a lot of man- months in, a, in advance. So when they were in Qatar, they had already a schedule of how to produce, the, when and how to produce the pieces they needed. In fact, in the case of Aprilia, that is such a new engine, this lockdown has uh, been positive for them because they have been able to analyze the information they got and all this stuff. So it's not, it's not a problem. So it's been a good break for them. So they're, yeah, so they're hoping for, for another couple of weeks. And for Honda as well, you know. <laughs> right. So while everyone else is going, yes, let's get back racing, those guys are like, oh, can we just have another three or four weeks of lockdown? Maybe? Hold your horses. Hold yeah, your hang horses. on a minute. What's the I hurry? saw someone cough over there. I don't think anything's all right yet. Just, just wait. Now, I gave some uh, grief to the, the, the French and Italian uh, press earlier, but that's probably you know, a, a little heavy-handed considering some of the amazing work that they've been doing on some of the Italian uh, motorcycle TV. You've been uh, brought into this fairly early on in the piece and you've been getting a, a fairly regular uh, attendance on these, Manuel. You had an amazing one uh, this week that, that we spoke about. Are you able to share any of that? Because there were some big names and some big secrets. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I just Before starting our podcast, I was explaining to our colleagues that uh, yesterday night we had uh, Jorge Lorenzo's father at the show. Yeah. It was amazing, and we have had so many big names. You know, one of them was uh, Agostini, Giacomo Agostini. Andra, he is like uh, if uh, God, yeah, yeah God. <laughs> yes, uh, your your Valentino will be would be the prince. Okay, so yeah. let's well actually let's put Agostini I, at the top. Yeah, if I can just quickly say, sorry to butt in, I was doing a bit of research to see who this fellow was. And I watched a YouTube clip from 2013 and they asked Rossi, Jorge, Mark Marquez and Andrea who was better, like out of Agostini and is it Halewood? Yeah, yeah Mark Halewood. And Mark um, they all went through their questions and they got to Jorge and he said if I had to pick out of those two and Rossi, I would pick Rossi. Yeah. Well, that was right. when he I'll was that, 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 like. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that same one as well. Yeah. That was when he was doing the uh, "I'm riding with you." I've got to be friends with you. Because I, I thought I was just like, "What is going on here?" But I just had to make note of it because, <laughs> and he was sounded so sincere and serious. But for those, I'll, I'll run through some fifteen second stats on Ago just to put this in, into perspective of of how dominant this man was. One hundred and twenty two GP wins, fifteen world championships, and eight in the Premier class. So that, mm-hmm. that's that's his big ticket items. To put that into perspective, wow, so 122 GP wins, 15 world titles. So we, the next who's close is Rossi. So he's mm-hmm. nine world championships and 89 GP wins. You yeah. almost have to put Marquez's and Rossi's achievements together <laughs> to get across the line of, exactly. of what Ago's done. And he did um, that in 17 years as well. He did it in 17 years. So yeah, yeah. because so Rossi's still got hope. How long has he been racing? Oh, Rossi's Ro- got another 40 years in him. <laughs> he's got lots of years to go. He's fine. He's got a young girlfriend. He's going to be, He's. you're only as old as the person. Is that why he always looks so like, tired when he turns up to the so track? He's like 25. You, you said that um, uh, Mr. Agostini had some amazing insights uh, into uh, Kenny Roberts, especially of one Yeah, person. no, look, the, the night with Agostini was like, how do you say, a listening night. And I just wanted to point that Ago, like they called him in Italy, Ago or Mino, uh, he started racing with 18. You know, we have seen here the other starting, Mark, Mark Marquez started with four and a half years. Yeah. yeah. Agostini started with 18 years and even so he got, he, he reached that achievement. And he exactly. raced. He raced. He finished racing with thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. So he raced. Because uh, and can I can I can I just clarify as well? I heard that when he was when he was younger, his parents were not supportive of him riding to start at all, and he had to go and sneak out to go and do like the, the hill climb races when he was seventeen, eighteen, on like a Moto Marini, and it was only after he was approached um, by Augusta that his dad sort of went, okay, I'll support you in this. Is, is, is that 
roundabout no, the, right? The, the story is fantastic. The story is one yeah. of these stories you can you have to tell to your children. You know, look, he was he he liked to he liked he wanted to race motorcycling, but it's not it was not like now. He needed the permission of his father to race the signature on a paper. Yep. So the father said no, 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 and and until a friend of his father that the father respected very much told him, hey, let him do sport because. Doing sport is very good. It will take him out of of thinking in other things. And the father, he convinced Ago's father and his side, thinking that Ago was uh, racing bicycle. (laughs) 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 That is gold. Oh, oh, didn't I mention he's doing a hundred and something miles now? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm putting that in my parent bank here in my head for when my kids get a bit older. That's so brilliant. so then he said, okay, now when we had the signature, then I had to buy a bike without my parents knowing it. So you imagine the situation, being 18. So I, he convinced the shop dealer to, uh, what you said, he he was uh, borrowed one bike and he said, I went uh, to my first race and straight, I finished second out of 40. First time he rode the bike. Wow. Yep. He said, it was just the mechanic and me. <laughs> and the mechanic <laughs> was the wow. baker was the baker of my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> so he bought a hospitality unit with him. <laughs> so it, so the, He gave him all the ingredients to rise to the top. <laughs> nice. Hey. Nice. I'll pay that. You can have that one. There's our quote of the episode. Nothing's going to beat that. Well done, Stu. So, and then obviously, obviously we asked him about how was the process to end his race. Such a guy who wins so much. And we are seeing with uh, Valentino, the, to take the decision to stop is a difficult decision. Especially when you are successful, when you, yeah. that's your life and you travel and this and that. He told mm. me, look, when I started to win, no, when I ended to win 12, 13 races a year and I just was winning seven, eight, I thought that my time has come. <laughs> so he went yeah. out on a high. He didn't sort of. Yeah, and he said, look, when you, journalist, started to tell me when I finished second, Agostini, huh. Agostini's finished, he said. <laughs> it's I, I all felt, washed up now. Yeah, he, he said, I felt so ashamed and so so uncomfortable oh. so i said look wow. enough enough and he, yeah. tell, he told us look it took a long time for me to take this this decision and then i cried straight for for three days because i wow. was giving away yep. my love that was racing uh-huh. mm-hmm. very italian story isn't it <laughs> that yeah, that I is very, it's saw... full of passion I saw that he'd written or he'd said something about um, Rossi and said um, something about, oh, he's not he's not going to be as good anymore, but I take my hat off to him for having fun or some kind of thing. And like he said, if you could keep doing it forever and ever, he'd still be racing. Yeah, now. yeah, he said exactly. 70-something. Obviously, the, the question was, what do you think about what is Valentino doing? He hasn't won a race in 47 Grand Prix, no? And his last world title is uh, 2009. He said, look, the difference is when I started not to win as much as before, I got upset and I didn't have fun anymore. I mm. see that Valentino still has fun. So my, I, my how do you say, my advice is keep racing until you have fun, which yeah, I... It's making you happy, keep doing it. Yeah, exactly, which I did not because for me uh, the fun was winning, not making second. Mm. Mm-hmm. But he stuck around. He never he never left the paddock realistically because he, he went on to go and, you know, uh, manage the, 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 the Yamaha team, the, the Marlborough team for a while, um, and then he managed the 250 team as well for a while there, and he's never really left the paddock. He's always been, in a, I think, an amazing influence on a lot of these younger kids that are coming around the fact that he's been there to to give them advice and to talk to them and show them that presence there's so many other guys that were world champions and they and they retire and they disappear but he it seems to me like he's given back to the sport he's never stopped giving 
Yeah, look, the, the thing is, uh, uh, Argo had one of the best teams of the championship once he retired because he retired and then he got this huge uh, sponsorship by Marlboro at, at the time where the tobacco uh, money was just mm. flowing around, you know? Yeah. So he built up a very important team in which he had the best names of the championship. Yeah, Lawson, you know? Roberts, Crosby, uh, yeah. Lawson raced with him. Roberts, I don't think so. Roberts stopped before he had that team. Uh, Lawson, he had Kosinski, he had mm-hmm. Freddie Spencer. And remember? Freddie Spencer, that's right, yeah. And uh, he had Luca Catalora, many Italians. Mm-hmm. He had Alex Criville. So he had Crivillier. a lot of riders. And talking about Spencer, there's another fantastic anecdote mm-hmm. too with Freddie. I asked him, when did you see Freddie Spencer for the first time? Adra, Freddie is the world champion that the youngest uh, um, major class world champion that has ever happened before, before the arrival of Marcus, okay? Freddie, or, or even, even with Marcus, because Freddie won the championship being 19 or something like this, okay? okay. And Freddie, he said, the first time I met Freddie was in... Uh, in an English circuit, I don't remember which one. He said, okay, then I was the big star at that moment. And then a, a young, a very young guy, American guy, arrived in a van with one mechanic. He had never seen that circuit before. We went out of the track. He made the fastest lap. And then on Sunday, he won the race, finished the race, put the bike back in the van, and flew back to, to the America. <laughs> so Agostini said, I realized that this guy would be somebody in the future. Yeah, of course. Would have reminded him of himself at that age as well, realistically, yeah. And look, the second anecdote is uh, the, the Freddie, after quitting, he tried to, no, he tried to return to racing, as you know, right? Then he went to see Ago, and Ago, I asked Ago, would you hire Spencer again now, knowing what happened, he said, of course not. When Freddie came to me, he, was, he told me, look, I, am a, I have absolute commitment to be again fit and race. And he said, he said, Agustini told me, he promised me that he had stopped drinking one liter Coca-Cola per day. <laughs> That's got to be good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so he I said- the energy. Yeah, that's why they <laughs> called him Fat Freddy when he was returning. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, stole my line. You stole my line, man. Well, you went from Fast Freddy to Fat Freddy. <laughs> exactly. So he said, I trust him. And being 28, I said, okay, see, if, he's, if this guy has still the commitment, he has the speed. So let's try. So he flew with Freddy to uh, Marlboro to Philip Morris headquarters in Switzerland. They sat in the front of the CEO or whoever t- took the decision at that time. And they, okay, we agree. We are paying Freddie t- to come back. He said he never showed that commitment. It was a disaster, you know. He didn't mention if he still was drinking one liter Coke or not, but <laughs> it never worked out. Like today where we see, you know, a couple of years ago, we had the, the Rossi-Marquez uh, battle. We're starting to see that shape up now with uh, Vinales and Cuadraro with Marquez. But back in Agostini's day, it was uh, it was another individual that, that against it, a guy called Mike Howard. Did um, Ago speak of uh, any of his memories or any of his uh, interactions with, with uh, Mike the Bike? It was because... You know, playing devil's advocate here, there's a there's a lot of uh, voice and a lot of um, passion around Agostini saying, you know, the all-time great. But on the other side of the pond, there's almost as equal amount of support and passion from from the English with, with Mike Harwood. And he's got a very, very similar record. Um, mm. And they believe that he may not be the greatest of all time, but he was the one who has done the most for the sport. Mm. Well, look, this, no, obviously, if you speak with the people from the big island, they will say that Mike the Hailud is the best. This is yeah. clear. You, If you tell any Italian 
that Michael Wood is better than Agostini, probably you will never live in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> You're buried. You, know, yeah. you will be sleeping in the, in the, the river, you know, that yes. with the special shoes on, on, on your feet. But now, look, uh, it's, it's interesting because Ago, he never says that he wasn't the best, but what he shows is an immense respect for other champions. For uh, Valentino, of course, for Mark Marquez, and especially for Mike Hilwood. If you hear him talking about Mike Hilwood, it's, uh, you get goosebumps, you know? He said, mm. look, he is the only guy who was capable to win the same year in the Isle of Man. 125, 250, 350, and 500. The very same yeah, weekend. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Riding bikes, he said, it was so difficult because he was 1 meter 80 tall, and he raced in these little 125s. You know, he was yeah. uh, waiting at that mm -hmm. time, his weight, he's explained us, he was waiting around 75 kilos. And the other guys who were racing these uh, 125 were around the 55. And even so, he was capable Ooh. to win. You know? And then, but fair the, penalty. The best sentence regarding Highwood Highwood once uh, mentioned Agostini. Because uh, Andrea Agostini, if you Ross, if you think that Rossi is cool and hot, Agostini was the master. <laughs> the, everywhere he arrived, God. he yeah. was surrounded. And Michael would look. There is a famous anecdote. Agostini was uh, in a hotel at the Grand Prix, and, and Michael would was in another hotel just on the other side of the street. And he said, "Look, I saw every night." Lots of girls at the door wanted to <laughs> meet Agostini. He said, and on my side, none. <laughs> he said, in fact, in fact, I don't know what this guy is doing racing because if I had his face, I would be a film star, not a racer. <laughs> Surely someone would have. Oh, he was. He's married. Michael Wood was married. Yeah, that cramps your style sometimes, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but he does it. Jeez, I don't know. I was looking at some of the um, press photos of Halewood over the last couple of days, and honestly, think that Fabio Quadraro has has taken a leaf out of Mike's book on how oh, to interview. Has he? What? Yeah, yeah, he's got the gold jewellery. He's got the open leathers down yep, to the open hips. Leathers. He's even yep. got the stance and the smile. He's channeling a young Halewood. <laughs> Andra, you know that Hailwood was a son of an earl. Oh, really? Immensely mm -hmm. rich. He arrived at the tracks with a chauffeur and a Rolls Royce. <laughs> went, oh, I want, I want to ride motorcycles. And I took him down for a ride. You know? Yeah, and so, he was infuriatingly good at it. Yeah. And yeah. his father... Was the family supportive then? or Yes. That's... When he decided to race, his father said, okay, you want to be a racer? That's right. He bought them all the best bike that existed at the moment in 125cc, mm -hmm. the best in uh, 250. He had all the best that was available. Mm -hmm. But he really take a profit out of it. It was just not the son of a rich, you know. He he got for it and he was really uh, into, into motorcycling. But the father, when he made money, when uh, Mike made, made money, he showed him the bills of how much he had paid for the bikes and made him pay back. <laughs> oh, it sounds like he was pretty grounded and obviously that was good parenting. I'm yeah, going to yeah, that one true. down as well. Should start taking note. Um, how good that he could have done anything he wanted to, but he was actually obviously passionate and good at it. Yeah, and, and another, another funny story or nice more than funny is as they don't needed money, they don't need any sponsor. So they rode on their fairings for yeah. love for love to the sport. That's what that was there. What was That's on, beautiful. On, yeah, on, on his that bikes. That's beautiful. And he that was really he, there are so many stories. So many you know that later of that he raced uh, in F one as well. And he was what was it? Was he good at that? Yes, he was quite good. And look, mm -hmm. something very quick, uh, in an anecdote, there was a race where some uh, a car crashed and started to get on fire. Mm -hmm. And there was a driver inside. In an F1 race? Yes. So yeah. Mike oh. arrived with his car. He stopped the car. 
the firefighters did not dare to get to take the, the the other driver out of the car. He got out of the car, went into the fire, took the guy out, and look at this story. Then he returns to the box to his uh, garage, and there was his wife. And he arrives and he said, "Okay, let's go home." So they went home, like nothing had had happened. And then mm-hmm. when the wife in the papers reads the following days what he has done, she asks him, hey, you didn't tell me nothing. (laughs) Look what Mike said. (laughs) Why should I? Firefighters do this every day and it's nothing special. Oh, what an amazing human being. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he was something different. He was a a gentleman, you know, a real gentleman. Mm. So at the end of that, she rolled up the newspaper and hit him over the head with it to (laughs) teach him a lesson. Probably. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and the end, the, you know that the end of Mike Heilut was one of these tragic uh, Greek dramas yeah. because he was got killed. A pointless, pointless way to die, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he got killed uh, in a car accident with his uh, daughter while they were going one night to buy fish and chips. One truck, yep. one truck did a U-turn in the middle of the night and it just ran into the truck. Yeah, I know his son. I have been with his son a couple of times. I have spoken a lot with his ex-wife. So, is know, that the son who survived the crash? Because I know one of his children died straight no, away, no, and the other one—the one who died was uh, the sister. Right. Yep. The and daughter. and the one. Yeah. He, he didn't have any more kids. It was just the two kids. Just the it? two. Just the two. Right. But this was one of these epic dra- Greek dramas. You know. I read yeah. years ago in. Um, uh, Halewood's wife's um, autobiography that he was told by a fortune teller that he wouldn't make it to 40. That's and, right. Oh. And he would get killed by a truck. And he'd get killed by a truck. Yes. Um, yep. And he wife, died at 40, 41, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. Damn. Um, just you guys speaking about that. Um, makes me reflect on my chat with Melissa Paris that we spoke about earlier. And one of the things we raised, as I said, you know, do you get scared or, you know, and, and it was a, it really was good to switch my perspective because she said, you know what, we wear the best things. I'm healthy. I'm not taking drugs. I'm not out drinking. I'm staying fit. I'm actually, I actually got hurt more in a car accident I had on the road where someone rear-ended me to as much as I've been hurt riding a motorcycle. And I went, yeah, that's a really good perspective, like way to look at it instead of going, oh my God, you ride motorbikes. That's dangerous. Mm. There's obviously there's so many other things that can get you. I'll round, I'll round this segment off um, for you, Manuel, with uh, you mentioned that Ago's uh, name was Mino. Mino, yes. Did you ever hear how uh, Barry Sheen thinks he came up with that name? No. But Barry had a wicked sense of humour from hmm. everything that I've seen, everything I've read, and he believed that um, Ago was called Mino because he never took his wallet out of his pocket. <laughs> 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 That wouldn't surprise me. I don't know what, what is the relationship between the champions and their hesitation to push their wallet out when they have to pay something. Whether or not that's true or not, like I no, thought it was an amazing story, especially from Barry. I wouldn't say that's not true, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can neither confirm nor deny. Look, I can take mine deny. out, but it's pretty empty. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to move on uh, to the third segment of the podcast. This is a brand new segment, Manuel. We've only briefly spoken to this at you. We've done some research of our own behind this. This is a segment that we're going to call the Manuel Incident. Uh-oh. And the the uh... <laughs> is this the bit where we insert the the, uh, the crazy segment theme song? Is this going to cost me money or? Don't could. This is the reason. You know, Andrew's got uh, your lawyers working overtime with some of her interviews, and I think they're going to push them over the edge with uh, the my, way we're My lawyers this. have enough work with my divorces, so don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were, they were already Manuel incidents, yes. <laughs> oh, they won't be surprised then. The aim of this is to present you with a MotoGP personality, either existing or prior, one that we know that you've uh, gotten to know very well. And you will give us one word uh, to describe them and the strongest memory that you uh, have about them. 
And I want to reassure the listeners that Manuel has no idea of the names. And I'll tell you by the first one I'm about to give him, it's going to, no, it's going to be true. Because Can I just quickly say go something? <laughs> go. The thing I'm most yeah. interested to see here is I want to hear Manuel say one word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no pressure. There's the challenge. There's the challenge. I, I, won't, make, I won't make that, you know. <laughs> don't, don't be cruel with me don't be cruel yeah. I like how Dave says one word and a memory because he knows <laughs> yeah. the story All right. with it. How, why don't we make it one phrase I love it I are you, love it are, are, you, are you ready for this Manuel let's go I am this is the first it. one this could go one of two ways this could be the last episode <laughs> after we go into litigation <laughs> have right. you checked with this person's lawyers as well that they don't mind being spoken about in this section I have looked down so they can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you've got Come at least six me. weeks <laughs> all right here we go so this individual still in the paddock is uh we see it today 15 wins 41 podiums two world championships is the hrc team manager this is cito pons one word to describe Cito. I think we should make him guess who it is too when we give him the clues. He should tell us who we're talking about. Key figure. He's a key figure. Okay. Okay. Hmm. May I add another word? <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> please do. Yeah. This podcast has got your name on it. <laughs> That's a, that, that's a unbelievably restrained considering the, I'm, the, the I'm conversations. <laughs> he's, he's Go for a, it. No, a key figure for the Spanish motorcycling. That's it. Okay. Do you have and, a memory? And, and, and your strongest memory of Cito? If you had to describe Cito from a memory, how that... He, he, phoned, he once phoned to my chief editor and asked him to fire me. Because of something, oh, because of something, something you wrote. I wrote. I, I exactly wrote about his uh, how much money the team cost and how much money he was saying that it costs. Wow! Two there you go. Things. Yep. This segment's going to be good. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> now we are we are quite good friends, but at the yeah. time he he wanted to kill myself, my ma- family, everyone. How long have you known him for? Since 93. Since 93. Okay, so... You could yeah. have given him one of your ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has enough with himself, you know. Hey, he's, he's had their friends now. He's, he, he doesn't dislike him. No, no, no. Oh. We, are, we, are, we now speak and we see... Uh, do you remember our wars? Yeah, yeah, we laugh. Now it's fun. Yeah, yeah. At the end, time is. Oh, that's cool. All right, who, awesome. who wants to go next? Me. Andra. Go for All it. All right. Uh, everyone will guess this probably in the first line, okay? Uh, you've got to give Valentino me Rossi. Of, um... <laughs> no. <laughs> but just quietly, I just have to tell you, did you all see, and I can post a photo for our listeners, I was wondering why I'm so drawn to him, and I found a photo of my husband and I from years I and years that. ago, and yeah. there was quite a similarity. There you was. basically married Rossi. I Your didn't. husband actually looks like, when he was younger in that photo, looks like a cross between Rossi and John Hopkins. Yep, I'll give you that. Oh. Mm-hmm. The funnier part was Dave said to me, what was Adam's reaction and his reaction when I said, look, here we go, this is why I've got the hots for this guy. And he just, he wrote back, yeah. pretty much his <laughs> No competition, please. No comment, no. And I, I know that I do compare to a 25-year-old model. I'm just a little bit of an older model, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, back to business. So, all right, I'll let you guys guess from the first line is the greatest rider to have never won a championship. Oh, geez, yes. that, that's a long... Mm-hmm. Aaron Slot. Oh, well, I'm not even going to say the rest of my lines. <laughs> no, no, go on. There are some. There are some. There's, there's two or three. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, this one's not going to give it away because I wrote he's raced and won against the other guys but not a championship. <laughs> Come on, I've got to ease into this. I'm new to this. Um. All right, it's Danny Pedrosa. Well done. <laughs> Very good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well done. <clears throat> I had another another name in my mind. I yeah. had, I had another name. That was genuine. Oh. That, was, that was genuine surprise on Manuel's face. Who were yes. you thinking? Randy Mamola. Yep, yep, that's who yeah. I was thinking. The animal. Well, I yep. didn't do that very well, did I? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but I just I I I picked Danny because he's from my big education I've had, he's always there. He's consistently around. He seems so above board, on track, off track, but he has never and he's retired now, right? That's right. And he never won a championship, but he one word. One. No hyphens, one word. Annoying little brother is three words, isn't it? (laughs) Because (laughs) one word, Danny. It can't be Danny. You've got to pick a different word. You can make it a phrase, Manuel, so uh, yeah. maybe two or three words together. And extremely short isn't fair. Can we just put this down on paper that Manuel is speechless in this moment? And that I was know, it's well done, Andra. No, Thank you. Yeah. Go to the next read while I think the word. Oh, you want to have a think about this <laughs> yes, one, Yes, I did. Okay. I should get an award right. or a star or a certificate we're, or a voucher You definitely get a gold star. We're, we're only do. two questions in and we've forced Manuel into a corner. Wow. <laughs> Okay, look, I'll I'll do with I'll do mine, okay? Right, so this gentleman, so it's it's a man, he's a fifty seven year old Italian team manager. He was the Yamaha World Superbike team manager between ninety three and two thousand, and now you know who he is already. He went up to be Moto GP Yamaha team manager between twenty oh two and twenty ten, where he oversaw the the big Rossi Lorenzo relationship. He left Yamaha with Rossi and became a private consultant for Rossi at Ducati for a couple of years. And then in 2013, Suzuki asked him to reignite their MotoGP campaign. And in his time, he's managed the likes of Rossi, Lorenzo, Edwards, Haga, Alessia Spargo, Vinales, and he currently employs Alex Rins and Joran Mir. And of course, I'm referring to none other than Davide Brivio. Oh, I was waiting for someone to say who is <laughs> that felt like that really felt like an like Jeopardy. Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> Who is David A. Brivio? <laughs> so one word or a short phrase that describes him and then an enduring memory that you that you might have of him. It's experience and capability. You say yeah, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Capability. capability. Yes, these two words for him. And, right. And, uh, Say he still can't do one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Sorry. With 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 this long uh, CV that he has explained, it's impossible to do it just in one word. And uh, an yeah. experience with him, uh, I have a very good relationship with him until, <laughs> again, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote something oh. that he didn't like. <laughs> I see a pattern. I see yeah, a these pattern. These guys, these guys tend to have very thin skin. <laughs> I'm feeling, Manuel. Or do you, or do you, or, this, or do you just happened, a little too close This happened to home. basically last year. Okay, so a, a recent one. Yeah. Yeah. Very so is this before or after the Rins win? It has nothing to do with Rins. Okay. I just put on the table. Look at his eyes light up. Secret, <laughs> secret conversations. Oh. I got the WhatsApp from him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do, though? Wow. What did you do? Wow. I do my job. <laughs> nice. Look how it, I know that the listeners nice. can't see Manuel right now, but his eyes are sparkling. <laughs> oh, he's, he's been very, very diplomatic, ladies and gentlemen. He's an 18-year-old with mischief in those eyes. He is. This he is, is exactly. my new favourite segment. I like this. this. Is, we should just do this for the whole time. We should just call it Make Manuel Squirm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking on thinking on Pedrosa. I'm still thinking wow. Pedrosa. Well, while you're doing that, what's so? What's your relationship like now with uh, with with Brivio? Is it still a bit icy? Do you, yes, do you talk to him? Or? It's uh, politically correct. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it's, pro- it's professional, and that's about it but at the moment. Far, far from what it was at the before this incident. Okay. Is this a common thing okay. in the paddock with um, Davide, or is with, no is with he, me? It's just you. <laughs> we want to meet up with Manuel at a race somewhere. I'm thinking we should maybe just um, distance ourselves. So, right? Stay so ten he, paces away. So he's high fiving Steve Parrish. <laughs> you know, but Valentino didn't speak with me for two years. Yep. Okay. <gasps> wow. Gasp. Wow. What happened? Mick Duhan. I had also mm-hmm. an incredible fight with Mick Duhan. With Mick Duhan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 
as long as you you, as you you how do you say on his uh, shoulder you know uh everything is fine like chip on his shoulder yeah no as long as you say how good you are you are the best uh, pat, yeah, pat him on the shoulder. Tell that's him why I've told you that I never want to be a friend of a writer. I cannot. Yep. yep. Mm, yep. Well, you've got a job to do. As, as we said in one of the last podcasts, you have a job to do before anything else, don't you? And that is to report what's happening around the paddock, realistically. So, yeah, you're and, right. You and can't I, be and I say you friends. something that is very cruel. Look, when a writer speaks to a journalist, he knows that he's speaking to a journalist. Mm-hmm. So there is no off record while we are working. And they know, and then they come back, no, oh, because I, you know that I am not your grandmother. Mm-hmm. I am yeah. the journalist. You know the score. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not hiding myself behind the mask. I am who I am, and I, you yeah. know what I am, and that's it. Yeah. So why did that's Rossi not speak though. to you for two years? Well, in fact, <laughs> like, which thing? Was, was it the two years he was at he was at Ducati? No, was it those no, two no, years? no, 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 it's no, no, such no. a long list. In, in, fact, in fact, I want, I'm going to tell you something. It was not him; it was his manager who bent him to speak with me. Wow! And it, this was because <laughs> again, his I, personal manager or team yeah, manager? His personal manager, Gibo Badioli, right. was his name. Yeah, yeah. And it was because I wrote a story about taxi. Of course, mm-hmm. yeah. This was right. the, the yeah. record. When he was living bill. in London yeah. and that, that, and again, even I inverted, get this, yeah. inverted commas. Yeah. yeah, this is all. This is old news to Andrew. And and <laughs> and I tell you something very interesting. All over this one. Go on. After uh, because at the end, Valentino broke with that manager because that, that manager wasn't had was not had not been fair with him, and then they took David Debris. The first thing Valentino did when he broke with his manager is to give me an interview. Wow. The first Aww. thing. Nice. And yep. and we needed no excuse me. You know, the the just mm-hmm. the thing that tell Manuel to come was enough. Yeah. Of course. Nice. Action. Yep. I like that. Yep. Just, okay, Danny Pedrosa. Yeah, I was just saying thank, thanks, Stu. Yeah, precious on <laughs> It's all right, Dave. You just um ah, sit yes. there. I'll go, I'll go I got it. I got it. I got it. Here we okay. go. Go for it. Three words. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. No, but three words that define the impossible dream. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're waiting. Yeah. The impossible dream. Yes. Now you have to that ask me, me to keep, keep talking. Wow. Now, now you ask me to keep talking. Wow. Yeah, yeah go <laughs> for it. Oh, please do. Yeah, because... Oh, we could leave it on a cliffhanger. Right. That, that is, makes me no, sad. That, that is quite melancholy, actually. Yeah, the, yeah. It, it, it was the impossible dream for him. It was that one step too far, wasn't it? Yeah, he was too small. He, yeah, physically, exactly. Physically, from his physical yep. uh, layout. Exactly. He, Nothing he could do about he that. He couldn't, genetic. and he tried. And as you know, uh, Andra, he got destroyed, broken from every bone. Mm. He oh, had yeah. around yeah. 27 accidents uh-huh. that ended in the hospital. But it wasn't possible. He wouldn't be a fantastic jockey, no? You know, jockey, horse rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. And one one word that I would use for the guy is tenacious, and he could because he just kept getting back on that bike, and he he just never gave up. You talk about the the other week we spoke about the qualities of a champion, that determination and the, and the self confidence. He had that in spades. Really, really, he was so tenacious, just kept getting back on the horse. But as, as Manuel said, it was the impossible dream. Yeah. It was just that one step too far. Dave? Was, was that the reason why Honda gave him that name of the Little Samurai? Or is, is that come from somewhere else? No, this is a, one of these <laughs> stupid journalist sentences. <laughs> 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 Somebody who had no headline that day and just wrote that. Yeah, okay. I just thought with, yeah, the impossible... incredible guy. Yeah, the impossible dream and never Uh, giving up, whether or not there was a connection to, yeah, the the little samurai. So um, I I, I loved, yeah, not only watching Danny, but also loved his helmet. It was one of my favourites on the grid, so... um, Mm. Why? 
Just the design. I said, I'm, yeah, was it just a huge fan of, of that era of helmet design? Look, um, fortunately, I'll have to Google that. fortunately, uh, Danny has changed a lot since his retirement. A lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, to, in, to in better, what way? To better. Is he still involved? Yes, he's a KTM test rider. Mm. Okay. And he has developed to be a much nicer person because he was uh, absolutely, mm-hmm. I know the word in Spanish, it was... Say it in Spanish. Yeah, in insoportable. Let me see. I let me Google this. <laughs> I'd, I can't I'd even say, comprehend his frustration and just. Yeah, I'd say like, he was intense. What I always saw of him on, on, in the paddock was just the intensity was always there. No, the word is more. Is, Are you looking up Google Translate, yes. Manuel? Mm, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It was the what, other night when we were watching insop- the. Portable, was it? We've done it again. We've we've taken yeah. the words away from yeah. Mr. Manuel Pacino. Oh, and this the word is, is oh, oh, hang on, we can't see it. Yeah, oh. go go back, go back from the back screen a bit, bit. There, Manuel. He's he's, try- he's just showing uh, us he, his he's, screen. He's showing us his to... phone there. Unbearable. Un- unbearable. Oh, yep, I was about to say the photo unbearable. meant to come up. Unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right. Okay. And, and that was that because of that intensity and that focus is that why he was he was unbearable not because of he the was person just too he, intense? Has, he had on his side right who was who was his eyes are doing that thing again look at him <laughs> he's deflecting he gets he gets this cheeky little hmm i'm going to see was, if you can guess what i'm talking was, about was the actual hrc manager ah right he made out of danny he caught danny when he was 13 danny's family basically gave Put in the hands of this uh, Danny. <laughs> we can all still hear you, Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> so is it is it the other person that we might have just spoken about, or is it is it the other guy? <laughs> I wish everyone could see Cause his face. Because there's basically two. There's there's Pons or Puage, right? No, no, no. Pons is uh, Pons is an, an angel. Yeah, cool. And the other, the right. other one whose name I don't mention because of the <laughs> coronavirus, you know. <laughs> Are we calling Bloody him Mister Corona? <laughs> Event Pepe. Well, uh, Danny, Danny was grown up like a, photo, a carbon copy of this, this uh, guy. Right. Okay. And he made out of him a carbon copy. When this guy left him, he turned into a normal person. Gotcha. Wow, crazy! That's amazing, Manuel. And on that bombshell, I think that's a. Dave. I think that's a, a great way to end. Uh, I think it is. <laughs> I think. I think wow. that, that that new I still segment. I feel a bit sad though. That new segment went in ways that I was not expecting, so we might give that exactly. another try next And week. I'm actually really happy. I think that went really well <laughs> with doing that Danny Pedrosa piece last because yeah. that you're right. That that little sadness, that that bit of melancholy at the end. I think that finishes us off if, nicely. If, really if you good. wanted me to throw flowers at anybody, <laughs> that's not what we're here for, Manuel. That's not why anyone's here. Wrong, Do you see this podcast no. being sponsored by anybody? Wrong section. Nope. Wrong section. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, we can open another one like Flower Power or whatever, but not this yeah. one. <laughs> Where we only say nice exactly. things about horrible people. No, no, no. Yeah. This okay. are- and worst case scenario, when we come out of quarantine, lockdown, just don't tell everybody it's over and then <laughs> people still stay No, no, up. but this is not bad things. This is what I think. And I think it's my yeah. truth, right? Yeah. Yep, exactly. No. And that's and look, Manuel, every, every week I, I log on here to come and talk to you and, and, uh, and, and everybody else here. And, and once again, I am absolutely amazed by the absolute fascinating stories and magic that, uh, that is coming out of your mouth, out of your brain, mate. I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk. I think Adra has caught me. I never... <laughs> she, defined, she defined me. We're, record, we're still recording. As a woman, as a woman she observes uh, more eh, clothes than we. We just love. She keeps obs- observing mm-hmm. and analyzing. Hey, and we're just getting started. <laughs> All right, we've definitely got to end it there. I want to thank a big, big thank you out to the man himself, Mr. Manuel Pacino. I also want to thank uh, our wonderful, wonderful listeners who are out there providing such amazing feedback uh, that's coming in uh, week after week now. 
I want to thank the co-hosts. I want to thank you, Stu. I want to thank you, Andra. If you are listening to this and you do like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Download us at Spotify. Tell your friends we're available on all podcast platforms. I'm going to show off now. We're available on CastBox, Castro, Google Play, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, PocketCast, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. <laughs> and take a breath. Yeah. Did you read that or was it out of your brain? Bit of column A, bit of column A. read that, didn't he? I was trying to see if his eyes were moving. You, you can catch us on the Insta at the Pacino Report. You can catch Andra at Andra underscore the Pacino Report. You can catch Stu at QuickDraw underscore 73. You can send an email to the Pacino Report at Pacino GP. Manuel, where can we get hold of you? Pacino GP always. All my life is linked to GP. <laughs> <laughs> GP is life. There's your, there's your, there's your merch, ladies and Manuel, gentlemen. GP is life, ladies and gentlemen. We've, we've loved putting this together for you. See you all next week. Be safe. Thank bye you, bye. everybody. Thanks, bye. Guys. Stay upright. Just share with um, Dave and Manuel what happened to me at the Cairo. Oh, yeah. Um, so who's familiar with the phrase reverse cowgirl? <laughs> no way. <laughs> what, 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 what